Last Sunday, we looked at the first cultural trend that we've identified as an area in our culture that has been heightened or increased due to digital technology and social media. So in this session, we look at that first cultural trend of distraction. Because of digital technology, we are highly distracted people. So with that, we will look at some of the reasons we turn to distraction. We're also going to look at some of the dangers of distraction as given to us in scripture and as it pertains to our Christian life. And then we're going to look at some practical advice as to how we live an undistracted life. And throughout this series, we've been we're going to do that in two categories of practical application. That is nudges and disciplines. So what are some environmental things we can do to help us be undistracted and also what what choices are we going to have to intentionally make as Christians to live an undistracted life so one of the many warnings that you may see by popular critics of digital technology and the internet and social media is that um, kids are getting addicted to this. In many of the studies I've read, this is the language that's used, addiction language. And to, to students and teenagers, it sounds insane. It's kind of laughable to them. But when you look at how we interact with our devices and with the Internet, it starts to make a little sense. I mean, the first thing we do in the morning is grab our smartphone a lot of the time. If we're ever tired or stressed... We resolve to rot our brains with Netflix or YouTube. And probably the most telling thing is if we leave our phone somewhere, it is a mad frenzy to find it. Almost like life cannot continue to go on unless I find my phone. For me personally, this happened two weeks ago. Our last Sunday night service for students, I don't know, in in the hustle and bustle of the, the, the day's activities, I just lost my phone, couldn't find it. And I literally just could not go home until I found it. And it just shows that there's somewhat of an unhealthy relationship, possibly possibly labeled an addiction to the phone. Now, even in a neurological sense, when we're engaging on social media, dopamine is released in the brain, pretty much communicating that this is a good exercise that um, we want to keep doing this to receive this rush of excitement. So in the basic neurological sense, the more we use digital technology, the more we want to use digital technology. But even deeper than all of that, I think we need to look at what are the governing desires at work here. It's not simply that we want to be on our smartphone or or go to the internet. But we must ask ourselves, why is this habit satisfying me? And why is it causing me to return to it time and time again? Why do I feel this need? What am I seeking to do when I'm mindlessly checking the smartphone or social media account? And while I think there can be a lot of answers to that question, I believe the strongest answer is this. We desire to distract ourselves from boredom. 
while we may be addicted to digital technology and, and social media in some sense, I believe our greater or deeper addiction is to distraction. So boredom is a an extremely strong motivator. I remember when I was in middle school, um, I went to South Lake Christian Academy in Huntersville, North Carolina. The, they had this form of punish, punishment called Saturday school. If a student was sentenced to Saturday school, they would have to arrive in uniform to school on a Saturday morning at 8 a.m. sharp. And then for two hours, the only thing on the agenda was silence. So as punishment, the student would have to sit there for two hours. No talking, no reading, no writing, just the student and their thoughts. It was horrible. I vividly remember the handful of times I had to go and time just moved so slow. I attempted to develop games in my head, made up conversations with myself, tried anything that would help me escape this prison of boredom. And much of us engage in the same exercise every day. No matter how old we are or what stage of life we're in, we will use any means necessary to escape the feeling of boredom. The Christian mathematician and philosopher Blaise Pascal, he wrote this, I've often said that the sole cause of man's unhappiness is that he does not know how to sit quietly in his room. One of my favorite quotes from him. But deep down, when the busyness of life quiets down and we are left to our own thoughts with nothing to do, this intense feeling of discontentment begins to just suffocate our hearts and minds. So our boredom leads to introspection or soul searching. And this introspection naturally leads to despair because we're, we see that we are insufficient in and of ourselves. And this is why we loathe boredom. Peter Kreeft, he writes this. We think we want peace and silence and freedom and leisure, but deep down, we know that this would be unendurable to us. In fact, we want to complexify our lives. We don't have to. We want to. We want to be hurried and hassled and busy. Unconsciously, we want the very thing we complain about. For if we had leisure, we would look at ourselves and listen to our hearts and see the great gaping hole in our hearts and be terrified because that hole is so big that nothing but God can fill it. Wow. So in other words, we would rather be busy than bored. And in our preference to be busy, we divert ourselves and our attention away from thinking about the seriousness of life and our rightful place in it. So Pascal continues, he says, because of the situation that we're in, because of our disagreement to boredom, the only good thing for men, therefore, is to be diverted from thinking of what they are, either by some occupation, which takes their mind off it, or by some novel and agreeable passion, which is, in short, called diversion. So our greatest attack on boredom comes in the form of diversion and distraction. Now, distraction is anything that redirects us from what is most significant and monopolizes the heart's concerns. So these diversions, they've taken on different forms throughout the years. In American colonial times, children would play leapfrog and hide and seek, and parents would enjoy music and dancing. In the early 1900s, kids would play something called kid kick the wiki where they would take a foot long stick and kick it in the air and whoever caught it first won 
Sounds very stimulating, right? They would play marbles, and adults would go to the theater or the parlor. You fast forward a few decades, and you get the radio where parents and children would huddle around one radio to hear shows, and then that later evolved into television. So distraction and diversion is nothing new. But with the modern onslaught of digital technology, our access to constant distraction and diversion has multiplied dramatically. So we no longer have to gather our neighborhood friends to play a game. We no longer have to huddle around around the one radio in the house to hear a comedy sketch. We no longer have to visit the local theater to see a new movie. We don't have to wait for weeks to see the new episode of a television show. Today, we have endless avenues of diversion and distraction available at our fingertips. The easiness with which we can distract ourselves is astounding. And, and because it's so easy, we return to it over and over again. So while distraction is not new, its easiness and excessiveness in the digital world is new. And it's extremely dangerous. So we looked at some of the dangers of distraction. In the New Testament, unchecked distractions and diversions are dangerous because of their ability to disrupt our relationship with God and hinder our mandate to form a culture that represents God's lordship. So the greatest danger in our digital world in regards to addiction is not necessarily that we might be addicted to our smartphone or social media, but more so, our devices and interaction on social media may be a hindrance to a deeper relationship with God, and it may minimize our involvement in his mission. So those are serious stakes. So what are some dangers? We looked at four of them. Danger one is unfruitfulness. Uh, when we look at the parable of the sowers, one of the ways that the seed is choked out is by cares of the world, by being distracted by um, money, personal comfort, security, pleasures. All these things have the ability to make the word of God unfruitful in our life. Danger number two, lack of communion with God. There's this story in Luke where Martha is so distracted with serving Jesus that she misses out enjoying Jesus' presence. While Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his teaching, Martha's distracted and she overlooks the nearness of God in her life. We are so much like this. We often allow our attention to be diverted, even by good things like serving Jesus. And as a result, we forsake hearing from God in our lives. So instead of sitting at the feet of Jesus, meditating over scripture, enjoying a communion with God in prayer, we tend to distract ourselves by browsing social media on our smartphones. So distraction has the ability to tease us with good things, which in turn rob us from better things. Danger number three, spiritual drowsiness. At the end of Romans 13, the Apostle Paul calls Christians to wake up and realize that salvation God's work to make all things new under Christ's lordship, it's nearer than we think. So the implication is that we tend to be drowsy in our spiritual life, not living with readiness and urgency as we anticipate the end of the age. Even Jesus repeatedly addresses this tendency for us not to lose sight of eternity and calling us to be alert. So in this challenge to be awake and alert, we must realize that nothing lulls us into spiritual drowsiness like distraction. 
Danger number four is shallow living. With the ever-present distractions in our lives, we are becoming quickly a people of shallow thoughts, and shallow thoughts will ultimately lead to shallow living. So there's this temptation to live in a fast-paced world, and we think that we need to be more productive and need to get more things done, and um, there's all this distraction of multitasking, right? So in our in our pursuit of efficiency, we forsake the critical component of being still and engaging in joyful rest. And that rest is given to us so that we can experience deep, meaningful lives. If we're continually busy and distracted, we'll never enjoy the rest that will equip us to have deep, meaningful lives. We'll end up just being shallow. So how do we live an undistracted life? The battle against distraction takes place in the depths of our hearts and minds as human beings. It's not convenient and it's not easy to rid ourselves of distraction. So it's going to require us to come face to face with our own insufficiencies and therefore we have to surrender and rest in the sufficiency of God. Such an endeavor will require intentionality equipped with some environmental nudges and inward discipline. So what are some nudges? What are some things that we can put in place around us in our environment to help us make the right decision when it comes to being undistracted? First, measure your use of digital technology and social media. Do you have any idea how much time you spend on your devices? Because the amount of time might alarm you, and the simple task of measuring your time on your devices will encourage you to spend your time more wisely. For me, this happened when I downloaded an application called Moment. would encourage you to do that. I plugged it with the students on Sunday. Moment measures your screen time on your smartphone. When I first downloaded it, I was about at two and a half hours per day was my average of how much screen time um, I had on my smartphone. I've now cut that down, seeing that that was way too much time. I've cut it down with the help of some of Moment's tips and tricks to just above an hour a day. So I've cut an hour of screen time, over an hour of screen time on my phone um, that I've spent just simply because I measured it. And so that goes a long way, and that's a good place to start. Measure your use. Use that application Moment. There's also other ones, other applications out there to help you. Number two. Trace the notifications. Do you know how many notifications you're receiving your day, receiving per day? How many times is your phone prompting you to look at it, to check it? This is really, really important because what I noticed was most of the notifications I was receiving were not from real-life people, but rather they were from applications that I haven't used or that are trying to get me to engage and use the app. So one way to do this is just seeing what notifications you're getting, deciphering which ones are necessary and truly important, and which ones you might have the, the option to limit. Um, for me, uh, this was really easy with like ESPN, with um, certain news outlets, um, Facebook even. I don't need notifications from Facebook. I'll probably go on the app at some time or another, and I don't need a real-time notification right? So just thinking through some of those things, you might really help limit 
um, distraction in your life. Number three, identify what numbs your brain. Where do you turn to when you're just stressed and you just want a, a breather? What app do you turn to? What game on your phone do you turn to? Um, identify those things because they probably are just there to dull and numb your brain. And while I totally agree there's some times where you just want to kind of veg out, it's not healthy to be in that routine and give your yourself the opportunity to do that every time you feel that. So identify some of the things that numb your brain. So moving from some of these kind of environmental things, measuring and tracing and and seeing really the, the areas of distraction around you, we have to move into disciplines. We're going to have to make the choice at some point to cut these things out. We can't only just measure and trace all these things. We have to make the decision at some point to cut them out. So here are some disciplines, four disciplines that we can do to live an undistracted life. Number one, my devices go to sleep before I do and wake up after I do. Simply what I mean by this is the last thing you should be doing um, when you go to bed should not be checking your phone. And the first thing you do when you wake up should not be checking your phone. Um, this was something for Stephanie and I and our family. Um, we had easily fallen into this trap. We had our phones charging on our nightstands. We would go to sleep checking our phone. The first thing I would do when I would wake up would go and check notifications and emails. And it's just not healthy. It shows that there's misaligned priorities there. Um, but it, it, it puts you in a state of distraction right before you go to sleep and right when you wake up. So we have now moved our phones to charge in the kitchen, in a charging station. And it encourages us um, to not check our phones right when we wake up and to prioritize what needs to be prioritized right before we go to sleep and right when we wake up. Preferably that time being spent together and in scripture and God's word and prayer. So replace your phone next to your bed with your Bible and instead of charging your phone next to your nightstand, maybe pray with your spouse or pray with your family. Um, those opportunities will be increased the more we decrease the opportunity for distraction from our phone. So that's the first discipline. My devices go to sleep before I do and wake up after I do. Number two, delete and unsubscribe. There are some applications that we need to delete. Um, there are some um, notifications that we need to unsubscribe from. As a general rule that I've heard and followed is I only receive notifications from real-life people like text messages, uh, phone calls, and emails, all other notifications I have pushed to not receive. I've deleted pretty much every game off my phone because they were only serving to... <laughs> numb my brain and as soon as I feel bored it was too easy it was just way too easy for me when I feel bored to, to grab my phone and just flip to a game so there are some things we're just going to have to be determined in deleting and unsubscribing from and I promise you you'll only miss it for like a day and then you'll realize wow I don't even really need that okay so number three is cultivate concentration on substance this is something that we're going to have to practice and work at. It's the art of concentration. And the good news is we have a subject matter in God and his word and his world that is worth concentrating on. So work at cultivating concentration. I would really suggest um, 
taking up the practice of journaling. This greatly assists us in this discipline of concentration. But the eternal transcendent God is an endless wonder filled with infinite wisdom. We will not be disappointed in pursuing him and concentrating on him. And so it's a, it's a great place to start in cultivating the art of, of concentration. Number four, the last discipline, is engage in digital fasts. One hour a day, one day a week, and one week a year. Let's fast from digital technology and social media. One hour a day, for us, it's, it's 30 minutes before we go to bed and the 30 minutes uh, after we wake up in a day. So that one hour a day should be digitally free. It should not be spent checking social media or whatnot. Now, for Stephanie and I, honestly, we're still trying to figure out what day of the week we can consistently fast. We know that we need it. We know that we need it. We just haven't been able to figure out what day works. Our schedule is so flexible and it's so ch- it changes week to week. Um, but uh, one week a year, that's something that we're going to really stick to. We're about to head on vacation to the beach and our goal is to just totally disconnect from our phones and social media for a couple of days, hopefully for a week. Um, but this this art of fasting is so good in redirecting our our focus and reorienting our desires so that they're in the right place. And so if we sense that our use of digital technology and social media is weighing us down with distraction, and if we take our spiritual walk seriously then we'll enact the necessary disciplines to remedy that situation. That may require um, fasting. That may require those things. So those are some practical tips to helping us live an undistracted life. I believe there's some really good things for for us to launch from here. So this serves as a really good foundation for um, setting us on a good path to start interacting with digital technology in such a way where we're not simply consumers of it, but we're using it as a tool to create and form a culture that represents God and His Lordship.